Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rama.org.au forward slash media. To uh, jump into the last Sunday on this series that Tony started at the beginning of the month called the, the Resurrection Effect. Commonly, what we do is talk about resurrection on Easter, but uh, he had it in his heart to actually focus it on it on, on, on a bit more. Um, truly, the subject could not ever be exhausted in a whole series. It would take many, 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 many days of looking at resurrection because it's a, quite a massive subject. We've just taken a peek at it, and what we've already seen about it is really, really wonderful. We're going to read Ephesians, the first chapter, and after we read this prayer that Paul prayed for a church, then we'll pray, okay? So we're going to adopt this prayer for ourselves. It's a Holy Spirit-inspired prayer, and we're going to take it for us as a church this morning. And Paul prayed this, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly. Asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you will understand, and I've deleted uh, one portion of his prayer for the purpose of focusing on, on verse 19. There were three things that Paul requested for this church, and we're going to focus in on the last one. That you will understand, he prayed, the incredible greatness of God's power for us. Other translations say toward us. God is all powerful, but he doesn't hoard his power. He actually is looking for opportunity to dispense his power toward us. This says his power toward us who believe. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is exalted as first above every ruler, authority, government, and realm of power in existence. He is gloriously enthroned over every name that is ever praised, not only in this age, but in the age that is coming. So in this series, we have been looking at some things that will help us to understand um, resurrection. Today, we're going to look a bit further. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for resurrection power, essential in accomplishing the purpose of redeeming fallen mankind. Thank you, Lord Jesus. For the great sacrifice that you made on our behalf for our sins. Thank you so much for offering up yourself as a sacrifice for us. But we also thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for your glory that raised Christ from the dead. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who is that resurrecting power who is also our teacher and is here in the service. All of us look to you. How can we as humans understand this kind of power? How can we comprehend it so that it can actually affect our lives? Well, we trust you, Holy Spirit, to make it simple and to make it workable to make it so that we can access it and apply it in the name of Jesus. If you can agree with that, just say amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. So Hebrews, the sixth chapter, there is a list of some things that the Bible says are basic teachings to Christianity. They're just basic, fundamental One of them is resurrection. And and so because that it is a basic piling or foundation to our Christian faith, um, 
probably hearing more about it and feeding more on it is essential. It actually is a lot in the Gospels that Jesus Jesus actually uh, promised resurrection for those that believed on him four times in one chapter, the chapters, uh, chapter 6 of John. Paul talked about it. And we're going to look at some verses of scripture today that just help us to understand some things about resurrection. Today we're going to pick up on a question that Tony posed last week, and it was, um, how does resurrection affect you? So what we usually look at on in the Easter season is how resurrection affected Jesus. We know that he died and that he was buried and that on the third day, by the glory of God, he was raised from the dead. And we just got through singing songs about it and that death could not hold him. Because he is the risen king and all of these wonderful things. But what does resurrection power do to you? How does it affect you? We see how it affected Jesus. But how does it affect you? So in jumping right in, the first thing, we're going to look at three. There's more, but we're going to look at three. Uh, The first thing that it affects us in is we actually, through salvation... And through resurrection power, get a brand new spirit. We get a brand new, not worked up, worked over, refurbished, polished up heart. We get a brand new heart. Thinking about it in car terms, uh, there's some motors that you can rework. And there's some that you can tune up. And then some, you just need to pull it out of the car and just put a new one in. It's so messed up, there's no way to even fix it. And what happened to our human spirit in in sin, or as a result of sin and spiritual death, God, through the new birth, through resurrection power, when you confess Jesus as Lord, gave us a brand new heart. And we can see this from Romans, the 10th chapter, familiar verse of scripture, and verse 9. It says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, look at this last part, that God raised him from the dead, what happens? You'll be saved. And that is not just from hell after after this life, but it is also a, a wonderful experience that is total transformation of the person on the inside, which we also see from 2 Corinthians 5.17 familiar verse of scripture, but it says now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new person. Not just polished up, not just rehabilitated. No. Rehabilitation was not going to be good enough. It was going to have to be regeneration. That required a resurrection. Of your human spirit. Entirely new person. On the inside. You notice you have the same body. You have the same brain. But what is new. Is the real you. The real person on the inside. The spirit man. Is brand new. All that is related. As this verse scripture goes on. All that is related to the old order. Has vanished. Behold everything is new. Or fresh and new. So we have a new spirit. But not only that. What resurrection power did. Is not only give us a brand new spirit. When we confess Jesus as Lord. But also it affects this new way of living. We could say resurrection empowered living. An example of what I mean by that is. Um, <clears throat> When Tony and I lived in Sicily, um, we lived kind of out in the country, and the electricity was so unreliable. And often, it would cut off at some of the most inconvenient time. Like at night, when you're in the shower, and and there's no light, and suddenly you're in pitch dark, or you're in the middle of cooking, 
and suddenly everything goes dark. You cannot see a thing. And so we'd have to grab a flashlight or grab a candle and da-da-da-da-da. Is anyone in here, did you ever live a part of your life with candlelight or kerosene light or, yeah. And we, we actually do it on purpose in camping. What's with that? But there's, I don't know, there's something maybe fun about it, but it's fun when you don't have to do it, you know. If you had to do it, it wouldn't be so fun. But Christianity uh, is much like electricity is to us. Candle might be uh, romantic and it might be novel if you don't have to depend on it and need it for bright light. It's way better to be hooked up to electricity where you can see things as they really should be, lit up. Christianity was never designed to be lived by your strong willpower, pulling your own self up by your own bootstraps and saying, I'll do it, I'll stop doing this, I'll start doing that. It, Christianity was not meant to be by human strength, it was meant to be empowered by resurrection power. Let's look at a verse of scripture that says it. Romans 6, 4 says, sharing in his death by our baptism means that we were co-buried and entombed with him. If you've ever been baptized in water, what you did was symbolic to the death, the burial, and the resurrection. When you come up out of the water, it, it symbolizes that identification with Jesus. But Paul said that we were co-buried. We've just been celebrating Easter and we're thinking about Jesus being in that tomb. But what Paul was saying is that actually we were all in there with him because Jesus identified with all of us, with the human race, not only in our sin on the cross, but also in his burial. All of us, we were co-buried with him. And then it goes on to say, and entombed with him, so that when the Father's glory raised Christ from the dead, we were also raised with him. So not only are, could we sing a song about Jesus being alive, but if Jesus is your Lord, you could sing a song that you're alive too. Who in here is alive because of Jesus? Yeah, and it isn't anything of our own doing. He raised us up. Praise the Lord. We have been co-resurrected with him so that we could be. Now, why have we been co-resurrected with him? Look at this last phrase, that we are empowered to walk. This is not candlelight Christian living. It is hooked up to the main source of power, resurrection power. If Christians don't know this, if believers don't know that this empowerment is for their life, they'll revert to just a candlelight Christian living and just trying to give it a go and trying to do better. But God did not design for us just to do better. He designed for us to live by his power. Supernatural living. Do you believe that this year can be marked with supernatural living? That you can overcome things that you never thought you could overcome? That you could carry on life in a way that you've never imagined? Yes, absolutely. And not only that, not only, we sang it in that last song, he overcame death, hell, and the grave. Hell, death could not hold him down. He overcame sin. He overcame everything. But he didn't do it for him. Sin was not his problem. Death was not his problem. Those things, chains, were not his problem. They were our problem. And when he overcame, we overcame with him. Bless the name of the Lord. And we are victorious because of resurrection power. So we have victory over, over 
sin, we have victory over sickness. I, I like Romans eight eleven. We use it many times for healing, actually, even though in that context, it's not specifically talking about healing, but it works for healing. In Romans eight eleven, it says, God raised Jesus to life. And since God's spirit of resurrection lives in you, we picture it. Um, coming in that tomb and raising Jesus from the dead. But what is, what is really powerful for us, what actually impacts our life on a, on a daily basis is not just picturing it in that tomb raising Jesus, but it is picturing it in these bodies and quickening our mortal bodies. As this verse of scripture says, he will also raise your dying body to life by the same spirit that breathes life into you. In the early service, while we were worshiping the Lord, I got the word degenerative. And, uh, and uh, then even before the service, when I was praying, I, uh, as I was worshiping the Lord, I sensed that this resurrection power this morning, we could appropriate it for healing in bodies today. For immune systems, for cells that need to be quickened and strengthened, for our different systems to be strengthened in God. And wherever there is something degenerative, today that degeneration stops and new life begins in that, in that body part. Can you believe that with me? Go ahead right now, lay your hand uh, if there's a specific part of your body, if there is a specific... Um, situation, maybe in even your thought life. Uh, Go ahead, just lay hands on yourself and say this after me. The spirit of resurrection, the glory of God that raised Jesus from the dead also lives in me. I believe it. And right now, that same glory quickens my mortal body body you're healed you're made alive you're sharp you're growing in the right way amen amen praise God so we have victory in our in our lives over sick sin and sickness we also have victory over the devil which we See, in Ephesians, the second chapter in verse 6, it says that he has raised us up with Christ, the exalted one. We know he was raised far above all principality and power and might and dominion and was given a name above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow like what Kurt was saying. But this verse of scripture in Ephesians 2, 6 says we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. For now we are co-seated as one with Christ. So all of these things are benefits of resurrection. When we talk about resurrection, we're talking about his resurrection. But we're also talking about our resurrection. And for us to live it, for us to demonstrate it as though it happened, we must know about it. And so that's why we're looking at these verses of scripture. Another thing that resurrection guarantees and promises us is new bodies or resurrection after this life. Now, resurrection is not something uncommon to other religions. There are other religions who also have some form of a belief about resurrection or life after death or coming back awake after death. But we're looking at what the Bible says about our resurrection. Now, some people um, are aware of history. I like history. I think it's very, very interesting. I just was it was in France for a prayer conference and it's so um was in Nice such an old country every place around you is so old Australia is very young by comparison you know as far as you know the buildings and the cities and all 
France is just so old and everything is history and and their leaders and everything that uh, has gone on in that country, so old. So f- history can be fascinating. I like history. Some people, though, live in their past. Some people live in, maybe in somebody else's past, but more people live in their own past. It could be a good part of their past. Some people live in a bad part of their past. They live there. Something happened 10 years ago, and they've never, ever moved on. Every day that happens is lived with retrospect and with thoughts of what happened yesterday. So some people live in the past. Many people live for the moment. That's kind of the, that's kind of the uh, current of our age, uh, of, of this time, living for the moment. I just heard a song um, by John Lennon that talks about living for the moment. And, and, and that, that uh, it sounded by the sound of it in the song that that's a good thing. And um, make the most of the moment. Uh, live, be happy in the moment. Live for instant gratification. Make yourself happy right now. Be glad right now. Do whatever you need to do. Then there are some people um, that are very, very aware of their future. And so they're thinking of what, what's going to happen the rest of next week or what's going to happen the rest of the month, what's going to happen the rest of the year. And they're planning things for this year. Some people uh, really book it out. Okay, in the next three years, this is my plan. This is my five-year plan. This is my 20-year plan. Some people are really into that kind of forward planning. But in light, the real reality of our life, what we live in this time and in these bodies is absolutely microscopic and minuscule to eternity. In, on my finger, you probably cannot see it, but I have a wadded up little piece of Kleenex. Maybe you can see it. I can. But some people are pouring all their time, energy, effort, their thoughts, desires, goals, dreams into this little space of time. If this space of time in relation to eternity is all the space in this world. Even if somebody lives to be a hundred years old, it's still no larger in the scope of eternity than this. The Bible says that our lives are a vapor. They're here a little while and then they're gone. But what happens in the rest of eternity, can you hand that? Yes, indeed. I've given the opportunity to be able to collect what I just dropped. Where people, after we die from these bodies, we're not able to go back and find it. There's not going to be a Benny to pick up the wadded piece of Kleenex and give it back to you. It's what we do in this life regarding the next life. And so we don't want to live short-sighted and about today and about my feelings today and what makes me happy today. Because there is a tomorrow. And I'm not just talking about the calendar. I'm talking about what happens after these bodies are dead. And they will die. Jesus very much addressed it. The Greek word for resurrection is anastasia, or aid anastasis, which means standing again. So when we're talking about this basic foundational doctrine of Christianity, what Jesus taught, what the apostles taught, is that after these bodies do die, 
we will stand again. How? In a new body. Christianity teaches that. In a new body. So we're going to look at 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. Please go there with me. And let's start in verse 20. We're going to be looking at some scripture. Are you okay in church if we just look at some scripture? Let's read the Bible here. It says, but the truth is, Christ is risen from the dead as a first fruit. Not a once off or a one only. Uh, He's a first fruit or a prototype, an example of a great resurrection harvest of those who have died. So when we look at the example of Jesus raising from the dead, what do we see about his death? Well, he raised, but when he raised, he was raised into a new body. His body uniquely was, um, it still bears the scars. We see from scripture It will still bear the scars, but his body, flesh and bone, glorified, now sitting at the right hand of the throne of God, not subject to sickness, not subject to disease, not subject to sin, not subject to anything. His his body is a glorified body. That is our example. Our new bodies will be the same way. Great resurrection, for since death came through a man, Adam, it is fitting that the resurrection of the dead has also come through a man, Christ. Even as all who are in Adam die, so also all who are in Christ will be made alive. And it's not talking about new birth here. It's talking about what will happen after you are raised from the dead. Okay, I can almost hear someone saying, this is in scripture, how can the dead come back to life? And what kind of body will they have when they are resurrected? Foolish man, don't you know that what you sow in the ground doesn't germinate unless it dies? And what you sow is not the body that will come into being. Picture a seed that you put in the ground doesn't look anything like the little plant that starts poking up. They don't look alike. One is a seed. One is a little, is a little sprout. They don't look alike. So he's trying to help us to get our, wrap our heads around the fact. When you die, when these bodies die, what is resurrected is going to be a whole lot different. Recognizable, yes, we'll know you in your resurrected body, but it will be completely different. It's going to be an amazing upgrade. Anybody want to put an order in for your body coming? It's going to be an amazing body. Okay, so let's keep going here. And it's hard to tell whether it's wheat or some other seed. Talking about the little sprout that comes up. You can't tell what it is. But when it dies, God gives it a new form, a body to fulfill his purpose. And he sees to it that each seed gets a new body of its own and becomes the plant he designed it to be. Keep reading. All flesh is not identical. Animals have one flesh and human beings another. Birds have their distinct flesh and fish another. In the same way, There are earthly bodies and heavenly bodies. Talking about the stars and constellations and all. There's a splendor of the celestial body and a different one of the earthly. There is the radiance of the sun and a different radiance for the moon and of the stars. Even the stars differ in their shining. And that's how it will be with the resurrection from the dead. We as Christians don't believe in reincarnation of coming back into a different animal form. We are human. And when we are raised from the dead, we will have new glorified human bodies. You won't come back as, you you may like different kinds of animals. 
And there will be all kinds of different animals in heaven, but you won't be that. You will be a glorified body in heaven. You will have a glorified body. Now let's just keep going. The body is sown in decay, but it will be raised in immortality. That means your new body will never die. So that little bit, of, I can't find it, but that little bit of existence that is in your human body now is because of your body has mortality. It will die. But the body that you will have will be immortal. It will not die. And everyone will live somewhere. That's why you really want, while you're here, to choose that Jesus is your resurrection and life. All right? Now keep going. Let's go down to, um, let's go down to Romans and see uh, what this portion of scripture says the entire universe is standing on tiptoe yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters for against its will the universe itself has had to endure the empty futility resulting from the consequences of human sin so yeah human beings have really copped the results of sin in our own life but so has creation. So has creation had the fallout and the consequence and the repercussions of human sin. And so this goes on to say, but now with eager expectation, all creation longs for freedom from its slavery to decay and to experience with us the wonderful freedom coming to God's children. To this day, we are aware of the universal agony and groaning of creation as it were in the contradiction, uh, contractions of labor for childbirth. And it's not just creation. We who have already experienced the first fruits of the Spirit also inwardly groan as we passionately long to experience our full status uh, as sons and daughters, including our physical bodies being transformed. For this is the hope of our salvation. Salvation is vast. It includes provision for our lives. God is our wonderful shepherd and he provides. Jesus is our healer. And when it talked about first fruits of our salvation, it, healing is first fruits. When we receive healing in our body, we're experiencing doses of resurrection power. Just doses of it. But there will be a time when you get the full shalam of resurrection power. Not just a dose of it to heal your physical body. But resurrection power will give you a brand new body. Praise the name of the Lord. This is what we believe. And it says that we want this. Okay, maybe you didn't wake up this morning thinking, I want my new body. You may have been thinking... I want coffee. You may, you may have woken up this week thinking, uh, you know, that there was something you'd like from the, from the shops to go buy. That's something your body wants. That's something your soul wants. But do you know what your heart wants? Your heart, your spirit, man, wants a brand new body that will not limit it in any way. Has anybody in here ever wanted to pray and you fell asleep in the first seven minutes? <laughs> I have. Has anybody in here ever, ever wanted to do something and for somebody or, or do something for, for the Lord and, and your body held you back? Your heart yearns for this new. But when will this happen? When will this happen? Is there, a, is there a prayer line that you can get in and then that happen? Is there somebody that can pray with a mighty anointing and you get a new body? No. You can get doses of resurrection power. But when will this happen? 1 John 3. 1 John 3 and verse 2 says this. Dear friends, we are already God's children. But 
He has not yet shown us what we will be when Christ appear. Now the Greek in this word, now are we sons, the um, King James says, now are we sons of God. That word sons means little children. We're young. There's a certain amount that we can, we can grow. Now are we young children of God. It does not yet appear what we shall be. There is more growing that we can do when we're not hindered or held back in any way. But he has not yet shown us what we will be when Christ appears. Don't know exactly how that resurrected body is going to be or what it will look like. But what we do know is that we will be like him. We'll be like him. For we shall see him as he is. First Corinthians, the third chapter, says this about when we constantly look into the in the, the perfect law of liberty, when we look into that, we are transformed when we look at his glory. We change. What changes us isn't by what's staring at what's wrong with us. Oh, if I could just, and just staring at that. The more you stare at your imperfections, the more you repeat your imperfections and multiply your imperfections. You have to get your attention off of yourself and put your attention on his perfection. And the Bible says we're transformed from glory to glory. But there is coming a day because Jesus is coming again when we will not just see him in our heart and see him by faith with our eyes perhaps closed and our hands raised, but it, we will literally see Jesus face to face. And when we do, the Bible says we will all be changed, completely transformed. We will see him as he, already, he really is. And all who have this eager expectation. Some people don't have any expectation about it. They're not, they're, it's the last thing in the world they're thinking about to ever see Jesus again. Okay, go to church, read the Bible, da, 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 da. But see him again is not like on their docket of anything that is a desirable thing. Going to the shop, going to work, going to meet up with a friend, getting a new this, getting a new that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I can picture that. I can picture that. I've got an idea about what that looks like. But you can live. You know, Kurt was talking about loving Tanya, his wife, and wanting to be with her. And that precious car of his <laughs> became so Unprecious compared to Tanya. And do you know what? There can be such an affection for the Lord Jesus Christ that while it is wonderful for us to worship him in spirit and in truth, it's wonderful for us to worship him together and listen to his word. There is a longing in your heart to see him. He said he's coming again. And your heart can long for that. If it does, look what happens. All who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure, even as he is pure. If you could care less about seeing him again, I've got things to do. I've got places to go. got people to see. got stuff to happen. got some exciting things on my agenda, on my calendar. I'll fit him in once a week maybe. You know what will end up happening? Purity in your life will be so non-essential. You can live like whatever drifts you will be what you do. Whatever is the strongest influence around you. But I'm telling you, if you're tied to an event that's bigger than your agenda, an event that's bigger than your, than your any desire that's in your physical body, an event 
that is centered in a man, Jesus Christ. That longing holds your life in any kind of drift. You can be around people that are drifting this way, stupid ideas that are drifting you that way, but you have something that your soul is anchored into, and it is Jesus Christ. And the fact that you are seeing him again, and it matters today what you do for that day. You don't just live for the moment and for the day. You live for that day. Let's look at what 2 Corinthians 5 says. For we know that when this earthly tent, that's what he calls these bodies are tents compared to a house. Tent is fun to camp in. Not so fun to live in. For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is when we die and leave our earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands, not your mom and dad. This is going to be a different body. We grow weary in our present bodies and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will be, for we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh. But it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. God himself has prepared us for this. And as a guarantee, he has given us his Holy Spirit. One of the reasons you have the Holy Spirit is to keep you aware of this event. Now go to verse 15. It says, he died for everyone. So that those who receive his new life, look at this, will no longer live for themselves. We honor the fact that Jesus died. But before Jesus died, he lived. And not one day of his life, he lived for himself. He lived for the purpose of his father. And that's why he was able to do the very purpose of his life. As Christians, we don't rewrite the rules of Christianity. But he never lived for himself. He lived for the purposes of his father. But as Christians, he's given us a life so that we can do whatever we want, anytime we want it, and however we want it. That is not Christianity as Jesus defined it. This is Christianity as Jesus defined it. In Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I. Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in this body, in this tent, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So what I had in my heart today as I was praying for us, there are nobody in this room is just alive because your parents came together and now you're alive and you're trying to sort it out and come up with what, the best you can. You are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works that God before ordained. Before you were ever born. There was a reason for you to be alive. 
You'll never come to know the reason for you to be alive by just living for the moment. When you connect with the fact that Jesus is the beginning of your life, real life, in new birth, but he is also the end. At the end of this particular life, we will see him. It makes a difference how you live in between. I believe at the end of this series about resurrection, when we our praise and honor has been unto him, the best way for us to honor him is not just with a song about death could not hold you, the grave fell before you, you silence the boast of sin and death. That's not just the main way of worshiping him. And then when the music stops and our hands come down, we just do whatever we think about doing in the moment. Or what somebody else wants us to do. The best way for us to honor what he did and what God did in him for our benefit is for us to live by the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us that our lives belong to him. While we're in This body, this belongs to him. And if you could come, I want to, us to pray. In just a moment, as believers... I want to also give opportunity, perhaps that part about the resurrection where you get a brand new heart, you've never experienced that. You can't get one. You can't get a new heart at David Jones. You can't get a new heart. At any place, you can't get one from anybody else. The only way you get a new working, you can, you can do whatever you want on the outside. You can dress it up. You can keep it in shape. You can keep it amazing on the outside. But the only way you get a new heart is by resurrection power. It took that and it took that to give you a new life. If you want one, all you have to do is believe that God did this and accept his lordship. That means he is actually the Lord of your life. We want to give you an opportunity to do that today. Along with all the all of the believers here, we want to acknowledge the lordship of Jesus in our life. Don't you love that Jesus is the Lord? You know, um, Miss Australia, Miss Universe, Miss whoever, you know, what from every country, Miss whatever. It's a wonderful banner that they get. They, they achieve something. But it's not a real life job. And sometimes I think that where Lord is concerned, you know, Jesus is Lord. It's kind of like, you know, Miss Australia, he's Lord. No, actually, it's a job. It's something he does. Things that are chaotic, he brings them into line. Things that are funky, he brings them into line. Relationships, the way we think, the way we talk, the way we give, the way we, the way we respond, the w- different every area of our life. He actually wants to lord it, and you can tell when he lords it because it's right, <laughs> and there's life there. 
let's acknowledge his lordship today. God did raise him from the dead, and he is Lord. As we acknowledge his lordship, whether you're born again today, you can re-acknowledge his lordship today. Just affirm and confirm, I'm not confused of who's the Lord of my life. My friends are not my Lord. My mates are not my Lord. Politics are not my Lord. My past is not my Lord. I have one Lord, and his name is Jesus. Amen? Some people can do it this way. Sickness has been telling you what to do. You can say, sickness, you are not my Lord. That's the same thing for oppression or any kind of sadness or depression. It is not your Lord. Jesus is the Lord. Amen? And neither is lack. It's not our Lord. Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your great plan of redemption. And man needed it because in the garden they became Lord, man and woman became Lord of their own life. And oh, what a mess it brought on the whole human race. Thank you for a great rescue plan for us a great plan of redemption we couldn't we couldn't fix ourselves we couldn't even we couldn't fix the people that we love we couldn't fix them we could encourage them but we couldn't change them couldn't change ourselves But Jesus, through resurrection power, you do change us. And we're committed to the work of resurrection. We're committed to what you accomplished in your death, your burial, and your resurrection. We're committed to it because to be committed to anything else is death. Committing to you is life. We acknowledge your your lordship today. We believe you raised from the dead and you are Lord. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at rhema.org.au. If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.